0: Welcome to Sundays with Saima and Co. This podcast is made for aspiring otolaryngologists to learn from trainees and professionals in the field. I'm your host today, Grace Shadid, second-year medical student at SUNY Downstate College of Medicine. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Samuel Okarosi and Dr. Robbie Patterson. Dr. Okarosi is an ENT surgeon and a graduate of the University of Nairobi ENT program in 2019. He recently joined the Kenyatta National Hospital in Nairobi, the main referral facility in the country. He has previously worked at the Machakos Level 5 Hospital, a hospital 60 kilometers from the capital of Nairobi, serving a rural community with a high burden of head and neck diseases. He is driven by a desire to provide the highest quality of otolaryngology care possible, especially to those with challenges accessing it through participation and collaboration in policy formation, research, and improvement of personal skill and knowledge. Dr. Patterson is a North Carolina native and an otolaryngology head and neck surgery, R25 research resident at Duke University. He has worked in Fon Blanc, Haiti, where he worked for Health Equity International. While in medical school, he conducted research on surgical care in Haiti and served as the Paul Farmer Research Associate at Harvard Medical School's program in global surgery and social change. Dr. Patterson and Dr. Okarosi, thank you so much for joining me today. So I'd like to start by giving our listeners a little bit of an overview of the Global Otolaryngology Head & Neck Surgery Initiative. So could each of you share a little bit about the mission and what its main objectives are?
1: Yes, um, thank you, Grace. I mean, the Global HNS Initiative uh, is a collaborative initiative made up of um, medical students, uh, doctors, ENT residents, um, uh, otolaryngology residents and um, attendings or consultants um, from around the world. Um, We currently have about over 250 members Um, and it came off from an idea, actually from the academy meeting back in um, uh, 2019 December and we we Thought about putting some of the global um, surgery kind of perspective and works that were going on around the other initiatives or the other specialities into the field of ENT. And um, I think a team of colleagues met and decided, well, let's now focus on ENT. And we started recruiting members, we started having meetings and um, organizing ourselves into groups and um, started initially with a few publications just to get set the ball rolling with uh, to provide some critical data, for example, um, essential procedures in ENT and um, conditions that needed to be used for further studies. And um, yeah, um, it's kept on growing, Uh, it's grown strong uh, initially the membership was little now 250 and um, quite a lot of work which I think we'll be able to discuss about maybe Robby you can add one or two things.
2: Yeah certainly um, I think you did a great job of of kind of laying out the origins of the group and the mission and I think I would also highlight that the kind of research focus of the group stems from um, this kind of new academic field of global surgery that really started in 2015, um, with the publication of the Lancet Commission on Global Surgery, Disease Control Priorities 3, and World Health Assembly Resolution 6815, all of which made the case for surgical care as an important component of functional health systems and public health. And, um, you know, a number of surgical subspecialties have really made some incredible progress in promoting care for conditions that they treat, uh, namely pediatric surgery and neurosurgery. Um, and like Samuel was saying, we just uh, saw a really big need for the same type of work to happen in ENT, um, where global health has traditionally been done through you know international surgical trips um, and a little bit less kind of like um, health systems and public health research. And I think there is an important role for both of those.
0: Yeah, it sounds like incredible work that the group is doing. Um, Could each of you just give a little bit of background or just share what sparked your interest in joining this group and what continues to inspire you to do work with this group?
1: Well, I I graduated in 2019 with my ENT um, master's degree. And um, I was um, supposed to, or actually I ended up working in one of our um, hospitals here in Kenya which is Machakos Hospital, which is in a rural setup. And I think what sparked my interest most is seeing the imbalance of um, resources um, between where I was working and uh, where I trained. I also had an opportunity to travel a bit prior to graduating. And so some of the health systems probably in Zimbabwe and also in South Africa. And the imbalance in the systems is what made me wonder: Would we be able to have an ideal situation where we have a basic minimum of quality, guaranteed care for, you know, all patients? Uh, and in my thinking, you know, um, diseases don't choose uh, patients. You know, they can't say that. Oh, you're well. Uh, you have quite a lot of resources, so will affect you more. They affect everybody. Uh, equally. So I think that's actually one of the main reasons um, why I I joined the initiative. I'm passionate about it and hopefully we can get to a situation where we can provide quality ENT care across the board.
2: And I would say that my path to the global OHS initiative really was kind of developing concurrently with my growing interest in surgery and then ENT Um, I've spent a lot of time living and working in Haiti uh, previously um, and have had the opportunity to work uh, firsthand with patients who have significant challenges seeking and accessing surgical care. Um, And I remember some of my early experiences there were with patients who had um, pretty disfiguring untreated head and neck cancers um, that may have been able to, to have been addressed Early on, if they had been um, caught and treated in a timely manner, um, as well as patients with hearing loss and, um, you know, kind of the spectrum of ENT conditions. At that point, I didn't really know what ENT was. Um, but as I learned more and more about ENT care through through medical school, it became apparent that there was a big need for people to work on improving access to, to care for patients like this um, who suffer unjustly. Uh, I think research also was something that um, I didn't uh, have a strong background in at the beginning, um, and it was a little bit difficult for me initially to see kind of kind of the connection between research and practice and outcomes um, when I was in medical school, uh, but I've had some really strong mentors um, in ENT and outside of ENT who have really, I think, shown the importance of research and outlining a problem um, and defining solutions to that problem. Um, And we've seen that, I think, in Haiti, um, not specifically with ENT care, but more surgery in general, where the lack of understanding the state of, of surgical care and the burden of surgical conditions really limited the ability of people to make an argument for expanding surgical care. Um, and as that research began to fill in the knowledge, people were able to make a stronger and stronger argument for developing surgery, which has traditionally been kind of ignored or left out as a more complex and expensive intervention. Um, and so I think we see kind of the same trend in ENT, and that's kind of what I wanted to, to be a part of by joining the initiative um, was beginning to outline, you know, what is the state of ENT care? Um, where are there opportunities to improve it so patients don't have to suffer unnecessarily like um, we have all seen. And I think research is a a really important place to do that. Um, And especially research that's done by people who work in the health systems um, that are most affected by these disparities. And so that's really an important part of what we are trying to do in the initiative is to build that type of research, empower local researchers, to identify the questions and then also lead the research projects themselves, um, because they're the going to be the ones implementing the findings and kind of living with the results of that.
0: Yeah, so it almost sounds like there's almost like a dual disparity going on. There's the disparity in terms of the actual healthcare itself, and then there's the disparity in terms of where the research is being focused on. Um, and I know you each have kind of alluded to some of the research work that the initiative is currently working on. So would you like to share any projects that you personally or just the initiative in general are working on currently as it pertains to research?
1: Um, yeah, I think um, we've been very fortunate as an initiative to um, really have um, quite some interesting work being done, um, published some and some are still in the process. Um, and you know, our main objective, as we said, was to bring the whole um, Global surgery kind of thinking into ENT as well. And to do that, we needed some baseline, you know, or primary, um, I, I like to think of it as primary data or primary, you know, information. So um, we wanted to know, for example, the ENT workforce um, and uh, what is the ideal workforce. Um, So we uh, did actually have a workforce um, uh, ENT global ENT workforce survey done, and uh, we are hoping that that will be published soon. Um, uh, We also do have um, a uh, what we call the provider survey, which will focus on, you know, ENT infrastructure, um, training in ENT, burden of disease, and the like, and that will also be distributed soon. Uh, and you will provide quite a lot of information that we can use as, and everybody can use to lobby, to advocate, and also to do further research. So I think that's how initially it started. We also have the audiology service, both the provider serving the workforce. But um, those were, um, as I'd like to frame it, some of the core things that we were focusing on. But if you have a team of guys coming together uh, from around the world with interesting research and asking questions, then you get a lot of um, other topics to research on. And um, I think one of the uh, uh, studies that I personally have been involved in is like uh, the Delphi project on priority uh, to procedures and conditions. I think I included that in the introduction. Um, I think we did a commentary on COVID in low-resource settings. Um, uh, Roby and uh, the team as well, I think he'll speak on that is uh, we have something on uh, research equity uh, and we have a research equity guidelines, which um, because we are very research based, uh, we, we thought that it would be essential to have some form of guidelines to make sure that um, it's reflective of uh, the work and the collaborations that we do have. Um, we've had uh, um, studies done on um, race in ENT. Uh, we have um, the gender disparities group and some of their output as well. So yes, uh, pretty exciting.
0: Yes. Yeah, so just a, yeah. a follow up to that, Dr. Patterson, if you want to give more information into what the Research Equity Lab is.
2: Yeah, certainly. Um, so we, I think I've been fortunate to to be involved in a lot of interesting research so far um, and get to benefit from ideas of of ENT researchers around the world. Um, As we move forward, we're really trying to to figure out ways to make this research even more collaborative um, and, again, driven by people who work in the health systems that are affected most by disparities. Um, And so a lot of our conversation and plan has been around How do we foster an environment where people can raise research questions um, that they have based on their experience and then um, obtain support and kind of guidance to develop a research project, implement it, Um, it, particularly when people are um, conducting research in health systems that don't necessarily have the same focus on research and funding for research um, that Grace, you and I like, might benefit from in the United States, where we have the National Institutes of Health um, who fund a lot of, re- put significant funding towards research. We have lots of institutional grants. Um, a lot of our promotions and kind of progress in academic medicine is really based on or um, heavily influenced by how productive we are in a research space. But a lot of people um, don't have that infrastructure don't have IRB support, don't have statistical support. Um, and these are often the places that need um, high quality ENT care the most. Um, and so one of the things we're trying to do in the initiative is to to bridge that gap. So when um, an otolaryngologist who doesn't have those resources has an important question that needs to be answered, um, we wanna be able to you know help them along in that process um, in any way we can, whether it's connecting them with experts Um, you know, connecting them with a statistician. Uh, Eventually, as we incorporate as a nonprofit, we would love to be able to support um, researchers with grant funding ourselves, um, again, to kind of eliminate some of those disparities. And one of the other um, kind of ways we're we're fostering this collaborative research environment is through the development of new labs. And so we've had some success in the past with Um, a working group that was focused specifically on gender equity in global ENT. Um, That group was very productive, I think had um, really an enjoyable time collaborating with one another on a number of projects that are pretty important. And so we've essentially taken that model um, and applied it to a couple of other topical areas. Um, The first is the research equity lab that you mentioned. Um, We also have a global... OHNS policy lab that's doing policy-oriented uh, research. And eventually um, we hope ab- advocacy and some policy implementation as well. Um, and I imagine we might have additional labs kind of pop up as people um, propose them on, on different topic areas, such as like global rhinology, other components of research that that really haven't been explored in ENT. Um, So finally, to get to your question about the Global Research Equity Lab, um, this is a small group within the initiative, um, just like all of our other projects and labs, it's open for anybody to join. Uh, But the goal of it really is to promote research equity, meaning um, we want to eliminate these disparities in people's ability to participate in research. Um, We also want to ensure that people who participate are commensurately recognized, um, so authorship isn't dominated by people from high income countries, like it traditionally has been in global health. Um, And that means that, you know, people from around the world really are are meaningfully engaged in the research from the beginning, um, are, you know, empowered to participate equally. Um, And so that group is doing some research projects, as well as um, some advocacy. Uh, Projects include, uh, recently, they've been working on an article processing charges project where they look at fees associated with publishing in open access journals um, and how those are disproportionately limiting people from low and middle income countries from publishing in open access journals, which are which we know are the best read, the most cited, um, and the most accessible journals. Um, but we find that the fees that people have to pay, which often, Are in the realm of three thousand dollars are really prohibitive for people who don't have the same kind of institutional support that you and i do again they're working on um, lots of other projects as well including um, a commentary and revising the research equity guidelines Um, so there's a lot going on there
0: yeah i mean it sounds like the group is incredibly busy with all the different initiatives going on how many people would you say are involved in the group like roughly
2: That's a great question. We, I think, define our membership pretty loosely. Um, We want to make participation in the group uh, very easy for people. So we don't require any minimum amount. Um, We kind of let people come and go as they have time. And so we, I think, are um, pretty generous with our membership numbers since membership isn't strictly defined. But um, at the moment, we have over 300 people on our listserv. Um, I'd say we probably have about 40 people on average at our large group monthly meetings Um, and then I would guess we have somewhere between 10 and 14 ongoing research projects. So I think pretty robust membership um, but it's always very flexible in terms of people participating more and less when they have time.
0: Yeah, it's pretty incredible to hear about everything you have going on over there. Um, so with that being said, who who gets to be involved with the initiatives um, and what opportunities are there for people at all levels of training, including attendings, um, people in fellowship or residency, and even medical students or other health professional students even?
1: Um, who gets involved? I think... Um... Anybody and everybody who is interested in being uh, involved is is very welcome to be involved. I think um, how we've ended up getting more and more people join us is um, we do have our monthly meetings uh, where we would have, you know, a discussion from, um, you know, any, any, usually we would get maybe an expert in the global health field, somebody in ENT. Uh, or any one of the individual members who would have something interesting to present uh, come and present um, and um I think it's just probably by word of mouth um, I know as you're growing we also have um like uh, social media pages we have our website as well uh if anyone wants to check us out but it has literally been through word of mouth and um, more and more people joining and as Robbie alluded um uh Yes, um, over two hundred and fifty. I think the actual number is three hundred and something, um, in the emailing list, and um, any one of them can um participate in projects. Um, so um, the more we evolve, the more we develop our structures, and um, you know, if anyone actually, what actually uh, happens is before when we have our group meetings uh during the introduction we we introduce uh the new members um and then sometimes we do go over um some of the projects that are ongoing and uh we ask them to reach out if there's any particular project they are interested in and they can reach out to the team leads and um yeah um that's how we've somehow grown
2: <laughs>
1: yeah I, I would echo samuel i think it's a, a very i
2: think inclusive environment which is great I remember how, especially the first couple of years of medical school for me, um, how hard it was to find like, global surgery research to get involved with uh, without having an existing mentor or connection. Um, and so with this group, we really want to encourage all people to, to join who have an interest. Um, it's an opportunity both to participate in research um, and to learn about research um, and to learn about ENT care more broadly. Um, so we have members who are attendings. Um, we have, I think very senior kind of attending members, um, who've been doing this for a long time. We have new attendings, um, who bring a lot of, I think, energy and excitement, um, to the work. We have, uh, lots of trainees from around the world. Um, and we also have a, a very strong cohort of medical students. Um, but it's not just limited to medical people. We also have a few undergraduates, um, audiologists and other affiliated um, medical personnel who are just interested in this type of work. And so I think everybody brings um, something very helpful and important uh, to the initiative and to encourage people to get involved at any stage.
0: So for those who are listening to this podcast and are interested in getting more involved, um, How can they find more information and learn about how to join one of the upcoming meetings?
1: Um, Yeah, so uh, they can send an email to globalhns at gmail.com. That is the only email address we have. Don't worry, they're not multiple. Um, uh, There's also a comment section in our um, website, uh, um, www.globalhns.com. Did I get that right, That .org.
2: It's close.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You can um, go to the page, see the work that that we have. Um, You can see the team members who are there. You can also um, read some of the blog posts that we do have, because some people do um, 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 submit some blogs. Um, You can um, uh, see some of the the research links to some of the uh, research work that has been done as well. And you can actually leave a comment on that page. And then now you can email us at globalohns at gmail.com. Thank you.
0: Okay, that's perfect. And we can also um, include these links in the show notes as well as tweet them out um, when we share the episode with our listeners. So before we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like our listeners to know?
1: Um, final thoughts is uh, inviting... Uh, colleagues and listeners to just join the global hns initiative we do value very different uh, perspectives on things um, and we think it's very healthy to have um, different perspectives and 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 discuss things that would probably advance ent care um, in all regions so welcome to the global hns initiative if you're interested Um, join one of the um, research um, groups or um, any of the groups within the global HNS if you have the bandwidth for that. And um, yes, very happy to have anyone join us. Yeah,
2: and I think I would um, just add something that I'm asked about often with regard to ENT um, and specifically ENT subspecialties is, um, is there a role for my work in global health. Um, you know, if I'm going to be a school-based surgeon, uh, is there a need for that? Um, because a lot of places aren't doing skull-based surgery. And I'm not sure where I fit into that, um, into that landscape. Um, and I think my mentors have repeatedly uh, told me, yes, there, you know, if there's a need for ENT care anywhere, or if there's a need for skull-based surgery anywhere. Um, if there's a need for microvascular reconstruction surgery anywhere then um, poor people and people who um, are served by health systems without strong ENT care uh, are going to need that more than anybody else. Um, and so I think it's up to us to to do the work to make that um, a reality for people, um, especially if it doesn't exist at this point. So I would encourage people whether or not it's through research or, um, through practice or through teaching to, to, uh, I think continue on with that mission and the understanding that that type of work is needed. Um, and this is just one way to do that.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great way of putting it. Um, so for anyone listening, regardless of your subspecialty, if you're interested in, uh, global surgery or global head and neck surgery. Um, it sounds like the initiative is a really good place to start in exploring what your role could possibly be. Um, so, with that, I just want to say thank you so much to Dr. Okarosi and Dr. Pattison for joining us on the episode today. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode about the Global OHNS Initiative. We spoke with Dr. Oka Rossi and Dr. Patterson about their involvement with the initiative and their passion for global ENT. Be sure to follow Sundays with Saima on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date with the latest guests. Catch us next time on Sundays with Saima & Co.